Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about the word connected. There are seven vital connections that I'm bringing to you out of the book of Ephesians. The Christ connection out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we've already dealt with. It's the connection that is the primary, most important connection in every person's life. A vital connection to Christ means it's alive. There's a flow. There's a living river of the Holy Spirit in you. You love to spend time with Jesus. Jesus talks with you. You talk to Jesus. You're in the vine. You bear fruit. There's something alive in the relationship. You know what a living relationship sounds like and looks like. If your relationship to Christ is not that way, go to work on it. Go to work on it. If you've never had that, you might need to make sure you take care of business with Jesus. Learn what what it means to be born again. Learn how to confess that. Learn how to bring your heart into it and align yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have people saved literally, practically, every week, every day at City Bible Church in Small groups and people talking to people, people witnessing, people bringing people to Christ, prodigals coming back, happens all the time. Why? Because Christ wants to connect to people. That's the first connection. The other connections in the book of Ephesians is the church, purpose, power, leadership, relationship, and Holy Spirit. Those are the seven connections that we're dealing with in the book of Ephesians. The church connection, purpose, power, leadership, relationship, and Holy Spirit. Those are the seven that we're looking at throughout the book of Ephesians. This morning we'll be looking at the church connection, but the other six we'll be looking at right through, including this morning, then with purpose, with power, leadership, relationship, and then Holy Spirit, the seven vital connections of your life. Now, God has provided these. They're vitally important. Every person has to connect to them. They're not optional. They're not just for certain kinds of people. These are connections that every person should have in their life. And if you lack any of these connections, there will be a lack in your life. Let's go to the church connection. What I mean by it is making a vital connection to Christ and Christ's church. It's necessary for spiritual growth, transformation for a lifetime. We connect with the body of Christ by connecting with a specific church. And the people and leadership... In that church, Augustine was so bold as to say, you can't have God for your father if you don't have the church as your mother. That was a bold statement back in his day, and he was crucified over it. But there are other people, John Calvin, some of the old reformers and writers that write about the church, have a whole different viewpoint and conviction about the church. They don't believe it can be separated, that a person can actually love Christ and not love the church. They don't believe that a person can actually be connected to Christ and not be connected to the church. I endorse that 100%. I believe that if you are connected with Christ, you will immediately become connected, obviously, to the universal church, but also to a local church. You will find a church connection. Why? Because the Bible calls that his body, as you'll see in just a moment. The local church. The local church is a spiritually connected congregation who join together to fulfill God-given vision. So there's a spiritual organism along with the organization of a spiritually connected group of people. 
Why? To come together to fulfill vision, pray, worship, grow in the word, reach the loss, and have a visible impact on the region that we serve. A local church is assumed by the New Testament writers that that's the church you would understand. Why do I say that? 114 times the word church is mentioned in the New Testament. 110 times it's the local church. And so when you read about the church in the New Testament, they are writing most of the time, 90-some percent of the time, about the local church. Yes, we know there's two churches. There's the universal church, which is all believers everywhere right now, past, present, and future. The universal church, the ecclesia, those that have been called out of darkness and joined to Christ, make up the bride of Christ, the church. And then there's also the local expression of those people that are spiritually connected together that make up the church in a very specific local area that know who they are, know how they relate, and they make up the church. That's why the epistles are written to local churches. Every one of the epistles were written to a local group of people in a local city. The book of Revelation is written to a city and a group of people in that city. And so we understand the local church is very important. Now, when you say to people, I want you to come to church. If you stop right there, invite a friend. I'd like to invite you to my church. Maybe they're unchurched. Maybe they're unsaved. Maybe they are a person who knew church when they were a child, have never gone back again. But you have a reason to try to invite them into church. Many times, if you don't explain to them what church is, They will have no concept of church. You will say to them, I'd like you to come to church. And they, in their mind, think of something that is so boring, so irrelevant, so out of touch with life. And then if they have any knowledge of television preachers or what goes on sometimes with some of the stuff in the body of Christ around the nation, they might even attach it to some kind of weird people or leaders that do wrong things. And why would you ever serve that? And who needs religion anyway? So if you say to someone, I want you to come to church, they might think that's the most boring atmosphere I can imagine that you would want me to come to. Why would I sit for an hour and go through that? It is so unbelievably boring. When the Quakers... We're in their heyday about 150 years ago. They ran into a problem of people going to sleep in church. They actually created a board, a task force to study it. They created a ministry person to oversee their solution called a verger, V-E-R-G-E-R. And what they did is they asked this guy to create a way to keep people awake during the church service. And this is what they did. This is absolutely fact. It happened not only in that denomination, but it spread to other denominations. They created a wake-up pole, a pole, a wooden pole, about 10 feet long, where the virgin would stand in the back of the church, and on the two ends of the pole, one end of the pole had a little leather strap with a little wooden ball. The other end of the pole had two feathers on it. And the, the verger would stand there, and as he would find anybody sleeping, if it was a man that went to sleep, he would bop him on the head with a little wooden ball. Bop him. But if a woman went to sleep, he'd go tickle her with the feather. This is true. This is absolutely true. And the woman would wake up. So one of the men wrote a note to the verger. He said, I would pay you 
not only to wake me up, but to knock me out because it's so boring in this service. I would slip you money to knock me out instead of going through this. Well, the whole idea of church, some people might even have that feeling. The church is so irrelevant and boring and outside of everything of life. I would rather be knocked out with a wooden ball than have to go through that and then come to church and sleep or whatever. That's not the kind of church we have. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Our church, although I've thought about the verger ministry, (laughs) to bop people on the head, just reach over and just, it would be, I know some of the singles would really get into doing this. There'd be some guys and gals, but we don't have to do that. I was talking to four unchurched, unsaved young men just the other day in a context where I had some time to talk with them. And so they couldn't figure out who or what I did. So I finally, and I didn't tell them for a while, but I said to them, I said, I'd like you to uh, come to my church. So the one guy said, why and the blankety blank blank would I ever want to go to church? I said, well, there's some reasons. He said, name them. Why would I want to go to church? I said, first of all, the presence of God is there. He goes, huh? I mean, that's foreign. I said, forgiveness of all your sins. I said, you are a sinner. I said, you look like a sinner. I said, when are you checking back into jail? He says, how do you know? I said, look at you. You look like you just came out of jail and you're probably going back. He says, well, I am having a few problems. I said, exactly. I said, we can help you not go back there. He says, you have a lawyer friend, a connection? I said, no, we can help you. So I said, our church is not like you're thinking. I said, our church has great music. Our church has a lot of young people. Our church preaches to your heart. Our church, he says, how do you know the church preaches to the heart? I said, I am the preacher. He goes, you're a preacher? I said, I am. He said, you don't look like a preacher. I said, thank you very much. And I said, you know what else we have? He goes, what's that? I said, we have a cafe at our church. He said, cafe like food? I said, yeah, more coffee. But I said, you come. I said, you can sit out in the cafe and drink your coffee and watch our church. You don't even have to come in for a while. Just come and at least learn that church is a very cool place. He says, I don't believe this. He says, I've never been to a church with a cafe and they never let you sit outside. I said, we do at our church. As I talked with them, I realized, and they started laughing. We had the best conversation. And my heart went out for these guys. I shared Christ with them. I gave them touch cards and I begged them. I said, please think about Jesus and think about your life because there's a place better than where you're going. And I said, I would really like to see all of you vacation in heaven and not that other place. They said, what do you mean? You know, hell, 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 the hot place. You don't want a vacation there. I said, you want to go to heaven? One boy finally spoke and goes, yeah, I went to church when I was a kid and they didn't like it. I said, forget that. In people's minds, church has to be defined. So if you invite, you have to explain. But of course, if you're not vitally connected to a church in a way that would give you excitement, in a way that would give you a feeling of joy and want to bring people in, you probably won't even go that far to talk with them. You have to be vitally connected yourself. And church for you has to be something that you know is life-giving and an experience that will help them. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Ephesians. All right, I want you to take a pen. 
Open your Bible, and I want you to mark the church in Ephesians. I want you to mark the scriptures where the church is used, and I want you to circle the word church. Are you ready? Here we go. Ephesians 1 and verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things. Circle it, underline it, to the church. Everything that's under the feet of Christ, it says in Ephesians 1.22, is also under the feet of the church. There's authority. There's a spiritual connection. There's something here that people do not understand. But the Bible says that Christ thinks so highly of the church that he will put everything under his feet and he's head connected to the body, this thing called the church, and everything comes under the church's feet also. Chapter 3 and verse 10. Chapter 3 and verse 10. To the end 10. That now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known, underlined, by the church. Notice the conduit for the rich revelation and knowledge of God is the church. Notice he does not refer to anything else. He does not try to explain himself. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, but there are other ministries that do this and that. He just simply puts it where it belongs. He says, you know what? The manifold, the multicolored, multi-leveled wisdom of God is known by the church. And what happened? To the principalities and powers in heavenly places. What's that say? That scripture simply says the church has power with the underworld. The church has power against the principalities and powers mentioned in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. The church has power and warfare to come against those demonic powers that come against your life. There's power in this thing called the church. And when we understand that, we will respect the church and connect more to the church because we understand there's principalities and powers that we need to resist. Notice in verse 21. To him be glory. Everyone shout the word glory. All right, it says him be glory in, come on, say it, in the church. Underline, in the church. What is in the church? The glory of God. The manifested attributes of God made flesh. That's what the glory of God is. It's the kabat. It's that heaviness of God. It's the presence of God. It's going to be made known in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Ephesians 5. Verse 23, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ, underline it, head of the church, using the analogy of a head and a body. So the church is the body, other scriptures pointed out clearly. He is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, just as the church, circle the word church, is subject to Christ, so let the wife be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wife. Now, you need to underline this whole phrase. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Who did Christ die for? He died for the sinner. Who did Christ die for? He died for the church. Christ loves the church so much that it says the cross is connected to the church. He died for the church. He shed his blood for the church. He washes the church. He owns the church. He takes one of the most intimate, important analogies in all of Scripture and life and attaches it to the church. He says, the church is my wife. The church is my wife. And I'm head of the church just like a man is head of the wife. And I'm head of this wife. She's my wife. And I love this woman. I love the church and gave myself for her. Wow. 
Verse 27, that he might present her. So now he changes from calling the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. And for the first time, he comes right down and he says, I might present her to himself. A glorious church. Underline. Not having spot or wrinkle. You want to know what spots are? Go to Second Peter and go to the epistle of Jude. They will tell you exactly what the spots are in the church. It's not a guesswork. It's not just kind of, oh, well, I think a spot might be. Spots in the church are false teachers, false doctrines, false prophets, and false ministries. How are you protected from spots and wrinkles and those things that come against the church by being connected to the church in a vital way? Here it says in verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. What does the Lord do to the church? He nourishes it, cherishes it, loves it, gives himself for it. Verse 32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ. Underline it. And the church. Right through the epistle, the apostle Paul makes it very clear. The church is the apple of Christ's eye. The church is why Christ died. The church is nourished by Christ. The church belongs to Christ. The church is Christ's wife. There's an attitude here in this epistle about the church that lifts the church to a higher realm. He didn't have all the religious baggage of that day, although they had all kinds of other religions. The church is just coming out of the gate the first time in history. He's bringing definition to this great mystery. For us, we have all kinds of baggage and different ideas of what church is, but we need to have a biblical idea. The church is to be elevated, lifted up, and thought of as something that Christ is building, Christ died for, Christ loves, and Christ nourishes. How do you get connected to the church? Ephesians 4, 16. Turn in your Bibles back. One page, go to verse 16, Ephesians 4 and verse 16. Connected to the church from whom the whole body. Now notice, this is our language. This is our connection language right here. Joined and knit. Both those words mean it's tight. There's no guessing. You're joined. You're knit. You're with. The body, the church. Every person who has been connected to the church, there's a joining. There's a knitting together. And then something begins to happen. How do you know if you've been joined or knit together? It's very simple. Just read your Bible right here. Every joint supplies. Are you a giver? Do you bring something to the body? Are you a solitary hermit saint? that only exists for yourself and you just crawl off in your little world and everything's about that world. You don't want anybody to invade that world. Are you a bunny saint, rabbit, bunny, hop around all the time from church to church, never connect anywhere, never have accountability? Every church has a problem, but you don't have a problem because you have spiritual discernment to know where you will attach yourself. But of course, that ain't... Never going to happen because there's nobody mature enough to disciple you or pure enough to be next to you or church that fits all your needs. And so you just kind of hop around. I want to call all the bunny saints to land somewhere. I want to call all the hermit saints to come out of the hills. I want to call all the solitary saints to get rid of your solitary mentality and join yourself to the body of Christ. 
Why? Because that's where you're protected. That's where you're nourished. That's where you will grow. That's where things will happen. And that's where you'll have a chance to actually grow up and start supplying something. Yes, you can attend church right here for a while and find yourself, get yourself grown up. But there comes a time where you have to grow. You have to learn how to pray instead of just gawk around and watch everybody else. You have to learn how to worship instead of just watching everyone else worship. You have to learn how to work at the altar, help the children, greet in the cafe, go to the door and usher, start a small group, host a home, work with the young people, work with the junior high, work with the IT, the AV, or whatever it might be, or go to a nation of the world and get martyred. You have to do something. You can't just sit. You have to supply. Now, here's the question. If everybody... In our congregation, which is a steady growing good congregation of some 5,732 people about right now. Well, that's awesome. But it's not the number. It's what kind of people they are. If everyone did church the way you do church, would our church be blessed and growing? If everybody prayed the way you prayed. If everybody worshipped the way you worshipped. If everybody gave the way you gave. If everybody served the way you serve. If everybody witnessed and won people to Christ the way you do it. What kind of a church would City Bible Church be? What do you bring to the table? Not just take. But there comes a time to supply. If somebody hooks up to you and their pipe is hooked up to your pipe, and you start supplying to them, do they get sick? Do they end up catching your cold and your spiritual flu and your spiritual disease and your spiritual attitude? So if you do connect to somebody, they're worse off than they were when they weren't connected to you? No, we don't want those kind of people. You don't want to be that kind of person. When people connect to you, you want them to have more faith, better attitude, not criticize, not be a a stomper in everything that's good, not be a withdrawer, not kind of have this haughty, prideful thing that won't let them in. You don't want anybody to be like that. You want them to be humble and serving and alive with the Spirit of Christ because you have joined yourself to them and you have lifted them up. Hello? How are we doing? We're connected. It says in Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, 21, 22, and chapter 4, verse 16, I just read you. Here's eight connections you have that the Bible says we have. We're alive together, raised together, sit together, fitted together, built together, knitted together, and firmly connected. We're a together group. All right, here's the phrases. You can write them down if you want. You'll find it in Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. In verse 21, 22, then in verse 16 of chapter 4, you'll find these phrases actually used in your Bible. Been joined together, knitted together, fitted together, built together, raised together, alive together, supplying together, flowing together, growing together, doing church together, doing church together, vitally connected. I'm glad there was a day when someone came and put their finger in my chest and said, Frank, you know, every time you come to the altar, it's always about you. We pray for you, pray for you, pray for you, pray for you. We're always praying for you. Why don't you pray for someone else? What a revelation. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. I crossed over. There came a time in my life where I crossed over. And church became 
ownership for me. I owned it. It was my house, my church, my people. If somebody criticized something, it's my problem. When there's paper out in the parking lot, I pick it up. When there's something spilled in the cafe floor, I mop it up. I don't look around and say, what's wrong with this church? Why don't they clean the floor? And there's something wrong with the children's ministry. I don't come in and say to my husband or the husband or the wife or whatever and say, oh boy, what's wrong with this church? They really don't take care of the kids, you know. Well, then go in and help us. It's not us and they. There's no them here. It's all us. Hello. This is called fall kickoff message. It's called becoming a Bible church. Not a consumer church. Not a, you know, felt need, scratch my back, and I know Jesus is here, and so I'll serve him if you let something happen to me. It's not that. Well, what's wrong with the parking lot? There wasn't a space for me. Well, go find another space somewhere else and let someone else have your space. It's the idea that you own the church. You don't just come to it. And if it doesn't please you, you pick it apart. When I went back to the Walker Center to talk to one of the pastors, and there was no pastor there. Well, maybe they were casting out a demon from somebody. You don't know where they are. But I guarantee you they're not lazy and they're not off doing nothing. You'd wait. Or if you see someone waiting in the welcome center to see a pastor and you're a member of the church, you go up, introduce yourself and say, hey, how you doing? I'm not one of the pastors, but I'm a vital connected member to the Lord Jesus Christ and a vital connected member to this local church. And I know everything there is about the church. What do you want to know? Take it on yourself. And you'll minister to that person. I guarantee you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 